sadly for the last time this season, Ira Jersey, take it away. Hello and welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. Jason, you're right. This is sad. The last time, at least for the season. I mean, we don't know, you know what we might do in the next couple of months in the offseason, but for the season, it's over. I mean, the whole world might be over after the election tomorrow. We'll see. So, you know, we just we have to cherish this this moment while we have it. So listen to your podcast or you're online if you're voting in person or something. And and uh, if you are, good for you. Uh, definitely you want to uh, use your right of suffrage because it's the most important right we have. Um, what we didn't have, though, on Friday was a final, Jason. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't have any finals this weekend, uh, and it's it's fitting. It's what I like. It's sad, <laughs> but it's like the season that we probably shouldn't have been playing any kind of sports, and we probably should have been chilling. You know, the pandemic had the last laugh and was like, "Nah, you should have listened." Actually, for, from a League One perspective, however, I, I'm not completely disappointed. I mean, you know, another soccer game would have been really fun to watch. It would have been great to analyze it. And it probably would have been a very tactical game against two teams that, you know, we know the one time that they played, it was a really exciting game full of bangers, but I I don't know. Greenville was so good all season. I mean, even though it was a short season that, uh, you know, any, uh, the, the, the fact that they won and, and they were given the, the award, I think was still fair. It's fair, but I I feel for the players on both sides because, A, I don't think that's how Greenville would have wanted to win it. And then, B, with Omaha, you know, they, like I said, what I mentioned a couple episodes ago about how I didn't know if it was if we should even have a championship. And if we did, Omaha's the only team who kind of has the right to to say they should be playing in it. And they did. They went and they handled their business when no other team could. And then in general, like you had these players – all season in a pandemic, putting their body, putting their health on the line, you know, mentally and physically going through that. So it sucks for them to have, you know, played their heart out during a difficult time, got to that point, and then just been told that, hey, it's not happening. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, uh, you know, we've also mentioned many times that this year that without a four-game playoff system, yeah. I- I'm not sure what what the point of having a final is if unless you have multiple, more than two teams in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, um, th- so, yeah. so that, that that's kind of where I come from, uh, you know, based on based on the result. Um, you know, unlike the the USL Championship, where you have an East and a West division, you had playoffs the whole time, and now you know who's the USL champion. You know that yeah. that that that's a little bit less uh, less obvious with, than I think Greenville was for League One. Um, so so Greenville did have some festivities though on Friday night. So they, that, they did a little they, a little extra in my opinion, but you know, <laughs> well, I guess well deserved. I mean, they dominated all season, like you said. So it's not like it's not like a questionable should they be winning. It's like it's fine that they want it. It's just yeah. that the way they acted like they wanted an extra time in the in the hundred and twentieth minute. It was just it was, <laughs> but you know, I'm happy for them. Like they yeah. they played they played their ass off all year, so they deserve to celebrate. They, they, so they they put on a little show for the fans. Those of you who uh who, who don't know what happened, they they did ask uh, the fans who had tickets were able to come in. They had an intra-team scrimmage where no one really tried very hard and they were all joking around. I think Dallas J scored a penalty. Um, you know, they, it, so it was a nice little fun thing that they did. Plus they did, you know, speeches, the trophy presentation. Um, and, uh, you know, they all got their, their champions medals. So, 
um, you know, it was at least they were able to do something for the fans that yeah. had come out and, you know, you know, stayed socially distanced and, and, uh, you know, hopefully kept their masks on and everything. And, uh, and, and it was nice to see. So the pictures were good, um, for, for sure. So, you know, congratulations to John Harks and the boys. Yeah. Anything and else about, about their, their fun <laughs> night out? No, but a couple of people I, I saw on Twitter and a couple of people asked me um, in my DMs, why couldn't they just reschedule it? And um, so what USL's report, it was that two players had tested positive and then they come back a day later. And as you know, more tests are coming in. And so, you know, talking with sources, you know, it was obviously multiple players at that point that spread to to the point that they were worried that they might not even be able to put together a starting 11 for the game or at least have a full team, I should say, for the game and so then okay yeah you want to reschedule well you know you have to uh, a mandatory quarantine of 14 days and then you have to what just go straight play like go from yeah you you can't do that you you need another week so now you're talking about thanksgiving and then you're you're going into december and we're talking about and then re-ticket sales we're talking about you know like it's a, a television schedule now are they able to get back on espn deportes like so it's one of those things to where it's just too much in the scheduling. And then also you have to think about, you know, in a best case scenario that none of these players have lasting effects after that 14 days. Right. And that's a best case scenario. But then it's also not fair for Omaha to deal with that, not be able to train, still might have some kind of illness after the 14 days and then go play when they're obviously not informed like they were leading up to it. Greenville, on the other hand, too, has to keep busy for two two weeks to a month, depending on when they reschedule. So it just, even if you played that championship, it wouldn't be a good representation of it, where it would have inst- instead of having a single asterisk, it would have two. So, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it was just, it was going to be unrealistic to do. I'm sure that they had that, that very conversation and they yeah. tried to figure out if it was feasible and it just, you know, it's not, it's not really, a, if it was literally a two week difference and said, okay, instead of this Friday, it's going to be two weeks from now. I think that, that the fact that it was so, you know, and what the, the worst case is, is that you reschedule it and then you have to cancel it again. Right? right. And that's even doubly embarrassing. So I think this might've been the the best decision as disappointing as it may have been for the folks at Union Omaha. But look, Union Omaha, great season, you know, second place in your first season and, you know, against some experienced teams. And, you know, there were a couple of other teams that, you know, gave you a run for your money. But at the end of the day, like you said, they were really hot. Yeah. A um, couple other bits of news that I found. Um, uh, Kyle Ventner from uh, Richmond Kickers. He announced his retirement. Um, I don't know how official that is, but it's it's been <laughs> uh, multiple sources and reports. Um, you know, a little bit surprising, but you know, well, I guess when you're playing third division soccer, and uh, you, you know, you might want to get on with your career before you get. Um, you know, too old. And if, if, you know, an interesting job with a nice salary came along, then maybe you pick that. Um, and then the other one also from Richmond is that uh, their their president, Matt Spear, uh, resigned. I, I suspect that it's largely because he, his family's from North Carolina and he probably wants to go back to North Carolina. Not sure what he's doing if he's staying in soccer. Um, you know, I don't know if you know, there's a couple of soccer teams in the Charlotte area, not yeah. far from where he's from. There's also, uh, you know, rumblings that um, uh, that that 
a, another team uh, is uh, shoot. I don't remember exactly where, but but up uh, somewhere in between Raleigh and Charlotte is talking about joining the high point, one, right? The high point area. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, so you know maybe he's even thinking about and helping out there. I don't now, know. Now let's let's be realistic. If he left Richmond to then go and help out with High Point, then that's automatic. Like. At, for the for the foreseeable future rivalry, right? Like Richmond fans <laughs> automatically have to hate High Point, right? Like it's just like really like unless well, you didn't like unless you didn't like them, and then which then you you might go and treat all the High Point players to, to dinner for taking. Well, well it's interesting because because a lot of the ownership of Richmond and and you know I think even Matt, right? They they have Davidson connections, and that's really close to High Point, so yeah, you know that it's that area. So that's why I'm totally speculating. By the way, I have no, yeah, no, I mean it's not a it's but. not a bad speculation though. It's it's <laughs> like it's very it's I can see it happening. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, any other uh, news to share with our listeners here, Jason? I think that's it. Um, I was looking. I don't think that they have released anything else from the USL office. So I think it's just just a weird way to end the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we can get an interview show with some folks from Greenville or, or the uh, um, or USL front office just to, as a little season recap. I think that would be that, that would be fun to do. Um, but. We have our own business to attend to here on League One Fun because we're going to give out the League One Fun Player Year. Excuse me, let me try that again. The League One Fun Year End Player Awards. So we're going to have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different um, uh, categories. We'll I'll note a category. I, I'll let you go first, and then we'll go back and forth as to who we pick to fill these categories. Sounds um, good. So let's start with most improved player. You want me to start? Or you want? Yeah, to go? You, go, you go first, Jason. All right. So I went with uh, Ivan Maglahays. It's just to me a no brainer for for him to come what, out. What, I, I need to insert that daily double noise here because I had the exact same. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exact I, same I think game. this is this is this one's just a no brainer. He he tremendously stepped up this year in one of the things to where I mean he in the running for defensive player of the year for sure um kind of took over that role as you know the you know when, when Kyle Venter came in it was one of those things where we assumed that Venter was going to take over and, and be the the anvil of that back line but really Ivan was able to step up and be where he needed to be in different positions do what he needed to do as far as you know edging in and scoring goals when Richmond you know needed them to win those 1-0 or 2-1 games and uh you know he he was the most probably consistent player on Richmond's team all year so it that's a no-brainer for me yeah I, I agree I mean I think that the, the fact that he I think actually Kyle Ventner being next to him was probably helpful in his development. And, mm -hmm. um, but you know, Ivan was able to, I, I agree. It was his consistency this season. Like you saw flashes of how good he could be as a one-on-one -on -one defender. You could see how good he was at, at, you know, clearing the ball and winning stepping up into the midfield, winning the ball, but he was inconsistent last year. Whereas this right. year he was much more consistent. And I think a lot more, uh, confident in his ability to do it. So congratulations to Ivan for being the most improved player in USL League <laughs> One this season. 
And I think you hit it when you talked about stepping into the midfield. And that's something that not a lot of center backs feel comfortable doing and are, don't excel at. And so when you look at what he did this year and you look at his 34 interceptions as a center back, that's, that shows you the amount of times he had no problem stepping into the middle, which was easily the most of any center back this league. So, yeah, props to Ivan. Great. Okay, moving on. Rookie of the year. I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to give it to Devin Boyce. Oh, yeah. So midfielder from Union Omaha. Uh, He is a rookie. He played in USL League Two slash PDL for uh, for three seasons before this for um, a couple of other uh, MLS U23 teams. And then uh, and then down in Texas for an independent League Two team last year Um, had one goal, two uh, two assists. But more importantly, he was second on his team in both interceptions and tackles one. Um, he played every game this season, started 13, you know, I think, you know, for a team that was made the finals, I think, uh, as a rookie, I think those are numbers that, that, you know, just put you out there and just, uh, you know, make you, uh, just a little bit better than a lot of your peers who, uh, who were playing professional soccer for the first time. Don't hate it one bit. And who do you have, Jason? So we're going to stay over there in Omaha and I'm going with Evan Conway. I think he was that, my second. He was my second choice. It was tough, but he, I had a feeling you would pick Evan Conway. It, it, he he was for when we looked at the offense when the rosters came out and we're looking at the N fours and we're looking at the Vanacore Deckers. It, like we're we're looking at all these players coming in and and we're we're not expecting Evan Conway, who of course Omaha fans they expected it since he apparently killed the the tryouts, but or the combine. But he was the big like big shot right with whether it was their first goal whether it was their last goal the one that put them in the championship scored so, both of them yeah yeah i mean the, the ones to where you know it's it's one one the points matter and he scored an extra time he just showed up he was a big time player and showed up in big moments and that's what kind of put him over the edge for me right he was a big moment player and to do that your rookie year to kind of come into professional soccer and have the confidence and have the swagger to be able to handle those moments like that that was big for me and yeah i mean even you look at him six goals 14 key passes two assists he was involved it wasn't that he was just like a poacher striker it wasn't that he just had Happened to be, you know, right place, right time. He was setting up chances. He was creating them himself. He he was an all-around really good player, and he showed up on the big moments. So I have a question, Jason. So, you know, we mentioned both of these guys as rookies, um, but they're not 18-year-old rookies, right? right. They're, they're 22, 23-year-old rookies who played in college. They have time in USL League 2, you know, so they had some development outside of that. How I mean, obviously, that's super important, right? The fact that we picked some guys who – you know, they're not 18 or 19 years old out of an academy or, um, uh, or, or, you know, maybe another pro team that they played for, for a single season. Um, you know, that I think having that experience in college and USL league two is, is, was, has been very important for them. So like you said, like Evan Conway, like kept playing till the end and you, you know, an 18 year old might've given up, I'm tired. I'm not going to make that run into the box and then, you know, volley this ball. Whereas, you know, a 22 year old, who's played in big games, who's played in college against rivals, right? Someone like that is going to say, I have to go do this. And if I don't do this, who is going to? Yep. I a thousand percent agree. All right. Uh, now for one that we could be all over the place, but I suspect that we are going to have another daily double here. This one is newcomer of the year. Jason, you can say who it is. And I suspect I'm 98% sure that we have the same person. 
No, you go ahead and just say it. All right, Trezaghi? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Trezaghi, right? He yeah. wins the Golden Boot, um, you know, first time in the in the league, played professional soccer down in Argentina, 30 years old, so not a spring chicken or anything, but, you know, made a real difference. And you asked very early on in the season when we did our season preview, who on Richmond's going to score the goals? The answer is Emiliano Trezaghi, and yep. he scores 10. No one else, I think, had more than two on the kickers. Um, so, yeah, you know, and I think that was Ivan, actually. Right, and and – and the thing is, he doesn't get hurt. Richmond's probably <clears throat> playing in the championship. Or if they say if he stays healthy and he can play full ninety minutes, and he played the game before that one, they probably handle their business and do what they need to do. Yeah, between him, him and and uh, um, and Ian Antley, right? Like, yep. like either of them are healthy the whole time, and you probably have a different team in the finals, right? Because really, I mean, in reality. Um, the Richmond kickers only needed one or two goals, right? right. And, and, and he was good for like one goal every three shots. So, right. and he's taken three a game, four a game. So you yeah. knew it was coming. So I also had very briefly, very, very briefly considered Josiah Trimmingham. Um, okay. You know, and then I was like, wait, what am I thinking here? That's no shot at Josiah. It's just that, you know, Terzai, put it this way. You take, you take, Trimmingham off of Ford. Ford could have found the way to still got to where they are today. You take Terzaghi off of Richmond. I don't know where Richmond ends up on the table. Right. Like maybe four of those goals end up in someone else, but probably right. not all of them. Now, you know, Alex Anderson obviously came in late later in the season and he he might be a good get for next year, but mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe they can figure out a two striker system or have Terzaghi play as a 10 if 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 he's still around. But um yeah, I I think I think that's a no brainer. Uh, so Jason, since I said that one, why don't we go to Super Sub, which is probably we probably yeah. all have the same one. Uh, yeah. But why don't you take this one? Yeah, because we, we talked we just talked about in the last show is Marky Hernandez in Chattanooga is just is he's too much of a difference maker to not win this award, right? He came in and single handedly won Chattanooga like three games in a row at one point. He yeah, he's he's the epitome of what you would want to see in a super sub. Yeah, four goals, four assists, only played in six hundred and ninety seven minutes, which is less than half of the total possible minutes. Um, <laughs> so you know, they, they, I think that says just about all that you need to he did yeah. start more games than i thought he did for some reason and the games that he started i don't recall him making as much of an impact as I, when he came off the bench. i mean that's what happens and it's like you know you look at so i mean it happens in almost every sport right even if you want to take it from an epl like adama Torre for for wolves right when he comes off of the bench wolves win he's a game no one's got the legs to keep up with him he's a game changer but then when you start him you're, you're taking away what makes him special and you see it happen often. And so I think that's what that was, especially now, if you want to eventually put him as a starter the next season, cause you know, people are going to have tape on him and they're going to be able to, but when he's hot as a super sub and everything's going fine, keep it, keep it going that way. Yeah. And, and you see this in other, you know, not only at, at wolves, but you know, at your, one of your teams, uh, the Philadelphia union, right. Yeah. You know, El, they, El they El Sino comes off the bench and, you know, he's almost always a, a difference maker. I mean, I've seen him do that at least twice against the, uh, against my team. So, um, so, you know, Marky Hernandez, you know, if he's willing to keep that role as a super sub or spot starter, um, he could, you know, maybe uh, help Chattanooga next yeah, year. I, I'm a huge advocate of, of paying super, like super subs, regular starter money because i think they're equally as important and so even like 
in the NFL, right? Like Devin Hester as a kickoff returner and punt returner, he was like, you avoided kicking it to him. And that plays a major role. That's earning your paycheck. And so you're getting great field position with that. And then if you did kick to him, there's a 50% chance he was running it back. And so, yeah, if a player is comfortable being a super sub, which I think is probably the main obstacle, right? Obviously, if a player is that good, they want to play the whole game and start. But yeah, if a player is like, no, you know what? I don't mind playing 30 minutes a game and, and, and then, you know, double game weeks, if I have to start for a game, that's cool too. Then yeah, I think you just pay them starting salary and, and, you know, I'm advocating for that all the way. All right. Shall we move on to the next one? Defensive yes. player of the year. Uh, this is going to be interesting. So I'm going to say Hiro Toyama. Ooh. Left back for forward Madison, 30 interceptions, 25 tackles. We talked to him. Uh, we talked about him last week. Um, I, you know, the forward Madison, as I mentioned last week, was, had the second best defense in the league. They only had 14 goals against the only other team besides Greenville to have less than one goal per game against. Um, just, uh, you know, they, there were a lot of potential choices, right? I mean, there was, you know, guys on the Richmond back line. There was obviously, you know, Evans and, yeah, you know, like, like uh, you know, the the guys who I could have picked at center back, for example, in That's our, our I best 11. I figured um, you were going to go center back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it could have been, it could have been, uh, uh, it could have been Lee. It could have been, um, Geez, I'm gonna, Phelps, I'm it could have been, been Phelps, it could have been Trimingham, yep. right? Like any any of those guys, yeah. So Josh Phelps or Skelton. Yep. Um, so uh, although you know, I don't know. I think it's hard to give it to a lot of uh, Tormenta players just because they're how leaky sometimes right. their, their back line was this year. But um, but but you know, basically any of the guys on on forward Richmond or uh, Greenville would have been would have been fine. But but I give it to to uh, to Hero just because of the way it's. Uh, of, of the way that that back line played and the difference that he made in, uh, in creating some offense from his defensive position. I guess what I went with a left back too. Who'd you go with? I went with Tyler Pollock. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he should have been on my list as well. Right. There's he, no doubt about it. It's, it's one of the things. So like I'm looking at Pollock's stats and, we didn't talk about him as much this year. And I think because he was a runner up as a defensive player last year, and he was so consistent and just became one of those things to where you're like, Oh yeah, it's, it's Pollock doing Pollock things, but he was phenomenal this year, like 41 interceptions, 34 clearances, 21 tackles won. He, I mean, and then, you know, and then I think this year more also getting into the offensive scheme with 19 key passes. And it's just, I mean, he did what he did last year and he upped his game. So for me, it was like, yeah, you have to give it to him because if he was a runner up last year and he upped his game this year and you look, I think he has the most interceptions in the league. Like to me, it's just, he's consistent, the most consistent defensive player in the league. And he's shown it for almost two years now. So yeah, he deserves it this year. I, I would say that there's an intangible with Tyler as well. And that's that, you know, he was named captain of the team, right? And there's a reason why that leadership on the field is so important. And the fact that a left back was given it instead of a midfielder or a goal scorer or even a center back, like, I think that that shows, you know, the respect that he has from the front office for what he does, right? And, and you know, whether it's John Harks and the other players, just the respect that he has is, is, is huge. So two left backs as defensive players of the year. One less chance created than thomas roberts that's wild to me that's wow from a instead of a 10 yeah that's pretty amazing um all right 
Anything else on defensive players of the year? Yeah. So, I mean, and I just wanted, like, I'm glad we shouted out some center backs because I do think when it comes to giving awards and, you know, best in the year list and things, they kind of get, you know, they don't, they don't get as much credit. And in this league, the center backs are involved, I think, a lot more than others. They're not just sit back in clearances, right? We talked about how Ivan gets up in attack. We talked about last year how, you know, Ventor was just important um, offensively than defensively, right? We talk about Niall, who was also someone who got up as a center back and, and contributed offensively. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see that. I think this league, when it comes to production, probably produces more left backs and center backs that are, that are top quality than any other position. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And the fact that we can find them. And I, I wonder how much of that is because most of these players came from the college game. So, and the college game tends to be a little bit more physical, a little bit more defensive. So you get these guys that came out of, come out of college at 22, 23, they're already ready to play right as, as center backs and, and even, even right and left backs at some, some point. Whereas, you know, a lot of midfielders who come out of college, they're kind of done because they've been beaten up. They've been, you know, really down and, and the best, you know, ball handling midfielders or wingers, they often find their way to the professional ranks earlier, right? So um, I, I, I wonder how much of that, again, has to do with the pathway that a lot of these players take yeah. uh, as well. I just think left back is such a, a shining position in this league. You're talking about Pollock. You're talking about Dami. You're talking about... Uh, Scotty yeah. Thompson. How many Scottie times Tom- I mentioned, yeah. mentioned him? Yeah, You're talking about Sam Geardy from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. You're talking about Ricky Ruiz from Chattanooga. There's just... You're talking about Europe. Like, there's just so many good left backs in this league. Right backs, not so much. So I don't... Like, if you got a right foot and you you could play defense... You <laughs> You might shine in League One because <laughs> the depth chart for for right back isn't as heavy as. Oh, didn't didn't Donnelly play there for <laughs> for sure. earlier in the year? I mean, Daniel Jackson did. You mean yeah? <laughs> oh, so, Daniel Jackson, yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I thought JJ did too at one point. But anyway, he um, probably did. JJ <laughs> played in like three different positions this year. So right. Okay, and now for perhaps the most controversial award, I've been lobbied hard today jason if if you haven't seen it let's 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 talk about it so you know ben uh did he he said i'm assuming you're he sent the article to you right correct i've been lobbied hard for who should be the mvp of usl league one and so we've been uh so so ben turner who is on twitter at union underscore omaha underscore ben makes the case that Mr. Ethan Vanacore Decker should be the MVP of the league over Alex Morell of the Greenville Triumph. Uh, Says, similar stats, had uh, the same chance to win the title. Uh, Yeah, but who had more points in the regular season? Uh, uh, Higher goal participation, higher points participation, 10 more points rescued on the season. I'm not really sure what that is because I have to admit I have not read your article, Ben. Sorry about that. Wow. And much less fluff than Alex Morrell. So them are, them are fighting words at the yeah, end. Yeah, right? I was going to say, but the fluff just sounds a little shady. I feel like you're just taking a shot at that point. I'm not going to count that as a reason. So, um, so Jason, MVP – Alex Morrell or Ethan Vanacore Decker, or do you have a dark horse that you want to shout out? 
Shaka, no. Uh, so, <laughs> I um, mean, Shaq Adams is, yeah, no, is the MVP of Tucson, right? But yeah. you're not going to no, say yeah, you know, yeah. he's the league's MVP. I mean, it's, um, I think it's a, it, that would be very hard to do. Ben Ben's already, I, I highly suggest people go read it. It's a really well-written article, and it does bring up points. But I, I okay, here's how I looked at it. And I was this is why I was so excited about this championship game because I've been making this list and you know my best my best 11 and awards. I was like, cool, this championship game's gonna answer the question for me. Whoever plays a better championship game is who I'm giving the MVP to between Alex Morrell and Ethan Vanacore Decker. It's it's simple, right? I could just wait for that. And then because we don't get the game, now I'm in this predicament. Um, but just as a eye test and just as one of those things to where I looked at it like this, who, per, who would be, who would affect the league more if they did not play this year? That's what it came down to. Because when we talk about MVP, we talk about the most valuable player of the league, not just of their team and not just based off of stats, who would affect the league more. And again, I have no issue if people give it to Ethan, Ethan played, amazing this year and even if they said co-mvps even though i hate that like he deserves it but just based off of eye test i'd have to give it to alex so i gave it to alex as well so another daily double here and um and i did it just for, for one reason one reason only and that's that for the same reason you did i think if i think what alex morell does very few other people in the league can do Whereas there are a few other, you know, kind of right midfielder, right wingers who could slot in. Maybe they wouldn't be quite as effective as Ethan Vanacore Decker, but I think Union Omaha is still probably a top three team or can be a top three team if Ethan, you know, gets injured for half the season or something like that. I don't want that to happen to you, by the way, Ethan, but I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know, so, um, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. Like if, if you want to vote for Ethan Vanacore Decker in the official USL, um, uh, in the official USL poll, absolutely do that. Um, but for, for me, you know, I think Alex just, you know, just edges out Ethan just by a hair. And for the reasons that you said, right? Like if, if he's not on Greenville, I wonder who's the creative force in the midfield for Greenville. Right. And, you know, maybe you get Arturo Rodriguez in there and he could do the same thing, but you know, there's not that many more people in the league who could do what Alex Morell has done. And, and it's, it's one of those things to where, Alex, like you said, he played left side. He played right side. He played striker. He played as a number 10. All, like Greenville dealt with injuries this season, and, and that's why I look at Alex like this because Greenville dealt with a number of injuries this season, and you couldn't tell because they would just slot Alex to where he they needed to pick up pieces, and he just picked them up effortlessly. And, you know, and, and another thing I was looking at, and, yeah, the stats are absolutely close, but Alex – on defense, I thought was a little more disruptive uh, of getting the ball and then getting his distribution. And I mean, we're talking so like, we, even when you look at the defensive stats, like Alex only won three more tackles. He only had two more interceptions um, in his distribution, you know, a passing in the opponent. Which in and of itself is interesting, just given the fact that, that Omaha is much more of a pressing team. So you expect mm -hmm. more of that from your midfielders than you would on your Greenville, which, you know, overall tends to sit back just a little bit more. Right. So, I mean, it, it is neck and neck, but I do think that, Alex Morrell as a player affects the league in the absence more than Ethan would this year. And like you said, I still think Omaha would have been a top three team. Um, I don't know where Greenville would be without Morrell this year.
from both a defensive and offensive standpoint. Probably not a, a top two team, I would right. think. Um, so that's the difference. All right. But again, I agree with you. If you want to vote for Ethan, he deserves it equally as to me. I, I have no gripes with that at all. I just basing it off the eye test at this point. But we have to vote for one. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Best 11 uh, in each. Well, we, we didn't do a keeper we, of the year. Oh, shoot. I missed keeper of the year. I'm sorry. My bad. Keeper of the year. Um, so you did. Uh, so so you, you did that one first. I'm going to go with Akira Fitzgerald. I don't know if he'll be one of the choices in the official balloting, but um, Akira Fitzgerald had 50 saves uh, tied for first this year um, <laughs> with with Rice. Yeah. <laughs> who, who I think faced a lot. Um, uh, excuse me, it wasn't Rice. It was someone else. It was uh, Carlos Alviza, I think, from Alisa, yeah, yeah, from OCB. Yeah. Uh, so Akira, you know, he kept Richmond in a lot of games. Um, he kept the back line pretty organized and came up big. Um, and, and the reason why I didn't give it to Dallas J is that Dallas just didn't face a lot of shots no, this year, no. which is a which is you know saying something for coach harks and the back line of greenville but uh, you know it's hard to you know if if akira is not on richmond and it winds up being another keeper who's inferior to him i'm not sure that richmond is even in the conversation to be making the finals that's the only sentence you had to say yep and i 100 agree i went with akira as well for that reason i think that Greenville's back line and defensively were so good. You can plug in another keeper. And even if they weren't first in the league, they would have still probably ended up top two, top three. Richmond wouldn't even have been seventh in the league this year without a cure for him keeping him in the games that he did. Cause even when we talk about those late Ivan goals, or we talk about those Terzaghi goals, Richmond were winning games by one goal. Right. And it was because Akira was having five, six saves a game to where he was keeping them in it. So. Yeah. We did. We talked about it last year. I mean, the fact is, is that they kept uh, that, that Akira stood on his head last week. Yeah. Um, against a game against Chattanooga had six saves in the first half alone and, uh, and one more in the, in the second to keep the game really close. So, um, you know, he, anyway, he, he's had, he was a difference maker for that team. And, and you can't say that about that many other goalies. So. And then we have one more award, but we'll, we'll do our starting 11 first. Cause it's our, our big, our big award here at league one fun. Uh, -oh. uh I, I, that'll be interesting to see what, what that is. I don't even know what it is. So you, do, you just accidentally skipped it, but we'll, we'll, we'll go through. Geez, I keep I keep missing everything. It's not in my uh, oh oh well we did super sub uh, newcomer of the year anyway I don't remember what we did. Um, so our starting eleven the way that I did mine, Jason, just so you know, is I did mm -hmm. my starting eleven plus a seven player bench, um, thinking about like who I would want on like an all star team to go and play against say you know the winner of the USL championship or something like that in a preseason right. exhibition right that kind of thing. Um, I'm playing a 4-4-2 wide diamond, so basically I'm playing with a uh, a number ten and a uh, um, and a, a holding midfielder, a couple of wingers, and two strikers. So, uh, should we do it the same way? Um, yep. We can start with goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, I went with Akira. Who did you go with? I went with Akira. Okay, so another daily double. Uh, right back. I went with Pato Christian Diaz. Oh, nice with Diaz. So good call. Um, he was on my short list as well, uh, but I went with Ian Antley, even though he got injured late in the year. I still think he made made a difference. Yeah, 
I, I, I just the, the reason I had Ian as a second, but the reason why I went with Christian Diaz is he's more influential on the attack for Ford, and he really got up this year. I mean, he did it last year as well, but for like at the addition to him being up top and and being able to move that pressure into the other half to allow Ford to bring more guys up and to keep the ball up there was really big. And then of course with his speed, the ability to get back. So and you saw that in the attack. You know, he had eight key passes. He had um two crosses and a goal himself. So yeah, I just, that was the reason why he edged out Ian just a little bit more than. So, so I was trying to limit myself to three players uh, from each team on my okay. uh, 11. So, right. <laughs> so that's another reason right. I think. And, uh, and Eric Leonard's going to count as two spots for, so, for, so <laughs> yeah, I understand. Exactly. Um, and then left back. So I had, uh, I put Toyama as my left back. Yeah. Um, as you should, if he was your, if he's your defensive player of the year and I put my defensive player of the year, I went with Tyler Pollock. Tyler Pollock. Yeah. So, uh, makes perfect sense to me. Uh, can't go wrong either way. I have Tyler on my bench. Um, uh, let's see. And then, uh, center back. Who's, who's your first center back? I went with Josh Phelps. Very nice. And, and Josh had a really good defensive year and it, it's really close. Like there's a lot of good center backs this year, but Josh really held it down defensively and then so the deciding factor for me was okay well yeah i can have a a center back get me 50 plus clearances at 12 blocks but can i have a center back get plugged in as my striker and score goals and he's the one that can so i went ahead and plugged in josh and that's my first center back yeah i I wonder i wonder if the idea was like you know we always have our center backs go up for headers on set pieces and corners like why don't we just keep them up there all apparently he has apparently he has background playing up in in the offensive attack so yeah he's a versatile player and the fact that he does have that background and was probably transitioned more defense and had the year that he had remember last year he was i think in my my starting my best 11 so for him to equally have a great year this year yeah he definitely deserves to be there so so i have phelps on my bench um going through my bench as we go through these um but uh my i'll go with both of my center backs so first is josiah trimmingham Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned him before as someone maybe as, as newcomer of the year, um, you know, Madison's defense, like we said, second best. Uh, and then I went with Evan Lee on the back line at, uh, at Greenville. Right. Okay. So I, I think those two guys next to each other could make a, a pretty dangerous pairing of, uh, uh, of center back. So did you have another center back, Jason? I had Ivan just because a center back that can get into the midfield you know, you had that with Josiah as well. So I think Josiah and Ivan would be a good duo, but again, I was trying to choose between Josiah and Josh, and I was like, well, I can always put Josh up top if my striker gets hurt. So <laughs> I went ahead and went with Josh. But, yeah, I think I like, I like think we have the same idea about having a center back that has the ability to get into the midfield and be able to create and disrupt. Yep. Um, okay, so why don't we go into center midfield? Uh, my number six, my center defensive midfielder is going to be Eric Leonard, of course. No. Who else would it be? No. <laughs> the biggest shock of shocks in this whole list. Uh, who do you have as one of your center midfielders i've been hanging around you too much i've got eric leonard um you know i think he's he's there's in this league there's a couple sixes but he solidifies that role like that's just like he it's who he is and he can play in other he can play as adps so he plays on the back line with injuries but when he's in the six he just thrives better than anyone else in the league in that position so 
He's your classic midfield destroyer. His timing of tackles and knowing when to step and try and win the ball in the midfield, I think, is unparalleled in the league. And, you know, so if you want someone, you know, if you're, you know, up against Phoenix Rising and you want to take someone out uh, because, you know, they said something, one of your players or whatever, you know, Eric Lennon's the perfect guy to do that for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. he, he just, it's consistency too, right? It's like, it's just, Every forward might have trouble with their offense, or you know, they might have like all of a sudden they're on a three game streak to where they're allowing defensively. And it's never him that's the problem, right? It's right. he's the it's, one consistent it's always one of the wingers or whatever. And and the, the and when you think about the fact that they only let up 14 goals and you watch forward Madison break down attacks that are coming at them, it's usually because. You know, it's usually broken up because Eric is in the right position to disrupt that attack, to force someone to make a bad pass, to actually make the tackle that um, uh, that, that ends that promising attack. So, um, you know, he's you know, we talked about him last week as someone who's ready for the next level. And I, I completely still believe that. Um, and just thinking about this list more, he, he makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, Jason, another center midfielder for you. Uh, so. I, I went ahead. I have three midfielders, and I went two offensive and one defensive. Uh, so my second midfielder is Marco Micheletto. Okay. And it's just, I mean, we talk about dominant at positions. I don't know if anybody was as dominant at their position as he was, right? We talk about Ethan and Alex as wings, but Marco in the middle of that field and being that creative player, I mean, he was just everywhere, right? He he had the most creative chances in the league. He was easily the best passing uh, player for, for Tormenta, created the, you know, he, he was a goal scorer. Uh, he had the most yellow cards in the league, you know, including the last game where he subbed in, I think, in like what, 15 minutes late and just had to get one more for the road, had to, had to get one more yellow. But but that's just because of his his ability to get back, right? He's always hustling. He's always getting back on defense. He's always assisting in the midfield defensively. Yeah, it, it's a no-brainer for me. We talked about him being ready for the next level, and I think for two years straight now he's shown that he is. So I didn't have Micheletto anywhere on my list, but that was more because I was actually thinking about like who I would want to play in my, you know, my four, four, two diamond. And right. Micheletto just wouldn't kind of fit anywhere. Cause I don't need a number eight. <laughs> um, so that that's my problem. I needed a 10. Uh, so I picked Alex Morrell to play in that 10 position. Interesting. Um, you wouldn't want to move him to the wing. No, I want to keep him in the a little bit more central. I want to use both his his pace and his vision to uh, um, to, to be to, to play as my ten because I have two other incredibly good players okay. to play on the wing. So I have him just so as my as my left wing because of his one on one ability. And like this year, when we talk about chances created and we talk about the assist and the you know the chances he had, a lot came from that one on one where he would just he would have defenders on an island while Greenville was on the break. And there was nothing anyone could do about it. He was either going to cut inside and he could take it himself. He was going to beat you around and have a cross go in. So I really thought that he he excelled on the wing. Well, given how you know fluid soccer can be, then you know my left midfielder could probably switch with him, very right. easily, which right. is Arturo Rodriguez. Okay. I mean, who would you you know? Interesting. Even though he only played about half the games this year. So he played nine games, so it's still more than half, right? Okay. And um, yeah, you know the fact is, and we talked about this last week as well, is that you know he, 
you know, the North Texas was a much different team once he got into his rhythm. So after his first game or two, he had a little more time with the, with the guys and North Texas went on a tear down the stretch and wound up coming in third in the league. And yeah. that was in large part because of Arturo Rodriguez and what he did on the field. I mean, it was last year's MVP. Like you said, if this was a 34 game season or 28 game season, um, you know, Arturo Rodriguez may have ultimately been the guy that instead of Alex Morrell that we would have asked the suggested should be the MVP. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that he is ready for the next level still. And if, you know, on my all-star team, I would want Alex Morrell and Arturo Rodriguez both there on the field. And you have to play one in the middle and one on the, on the wing, right? You can't have both of them. So, um, one or the other. So, so, so in that case, who's your other center midfielder? Charlie Dennis. Okay. I have so, Charlie on my bench. Uh, so we, we talked about Charlie last week. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, second, talk, talk a little bit. Year, second thinking. year in a row, uh, he, he's had the most chances created. I think he's tied this year with um, Marco Micheletto. And yeah, I mean, he just, he's, he played in different roles, but as a 10, I think he's just he's perfect because he can turn his back to goal and be the pivot and kind of allow the wingers to come. He's got incredible vision. He can go back and get the ball if he needs to. We've watched him have a through ball for 30 yards in the midfield onto goal for for a goal. It's just he is ready. The physicality, his defensive work, uh, you know, like last year and this year, it's it's one of those things to where it doesn't really get credited a lot but he comes back and he wins a lot of those balls in the midfield with his with his uh physicality you know won 14 tackles uh, had a 77.8 percent tackle rate so he doesn't go down much but when he does he's going to win it and so and that's important to break up counters and yeah i mean just watching him play and watching his vision i think decision making is what separates good players and great players. And when you watch him play and watch the passes that he does make and the timing that he does it and the decisions he makes, it shows that he's a great player that's ready. So I had Charlie in there on my bench to kind of replace Eric Leonard or, um, or Alex Morrell as kind of my guy in the middle. Right. So if I needed a little bit more offensive threat, you take out Eric and, you know, put Charlie in and next thing you know, you're playing kind of with two, two tens there in the middle. Um, Great. So, uh, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. Like I said, Charlie's on my bench. Um, my other winger is going to be Ethan Vanacore Decker. I mean, same. Yeah. I mean, that's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, it, it, just for what we talked about, I mean, the fact is, is that he's, you know, really good at taking guys on one on one. He's gr- good at crossing. You know, he's, uh, he's good at finding those, that space and like those, um, you know, very curling, uh, long crosses that he does for people to run onto. Um, yeah, you know, if you have, uh, you know, you wind up having one of my strikers on there. They're not the fastest, but if you have Otto Rodriguez or Alex Morel running onto them, why the heck not, right? Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so who's? Uh, so, so I think you have two two players left, or do you? Well, I, I agreed with Ethan, so I only got one right. left. Okay, so who's your who's your last one? Because I, oh, I have two, I have two more. So okay, so my strikers Terzaghi, and okay. it's just it's it's a lone strike. Most critical, most critical finisher in the league. It's not even close. He's the like I called him, you know, a few months ago or whatever, the most dangerous man in the league, and I meant that because anyone who's scoring one goal every three shots, it's yeah, like you're gonna get your striker at least three shots, and so you know you're gonna get a goal from it. You easily have to take that. Yeah, I I, I agree, and you know we we talked about him also as newcomer of the year. So, um, but uh, you know another guy who could have gotten newcomer of the year was Lachlan McLean, and he's my other striker. So, um, in my four four two, I have Trzaghi and McLean up top, 
Um, uh, Terzaghi maybe would come back into the midfield sometime and try to feed McLean the ball, kind of like you know Jake Keegan did this this year um, for for Greenville. So um, yeah, you know, I mean, look, the fact is, I I kept on going back and forth between McLean and uh, McLean and Keegan last, uh, based on what you had mentioned last week. You know how. Uh, you know, the kind of work that Keegan did. So I put Keegan on my bench. Um, yeah. so he's my backup striker for those guys or even Alex Morrell. And I agree with you as far as this season. I do think McLean had the better season. I just had Keegan ready for the jump starting 11 because he's done it for two seasons now. Right. And then yeah. he also had that kind of a season coming off of a major injury, which is supposed to be during a sophomore slump year. And so the fact that he overcame that shows that he's ready. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the other guys I had in my bench who I didn't mention were uh, Ronaldo Damas uh, from North mm-hmm. Texas, uh, Shaq Adams from Tormenta. Uh, I already mentioned Tyler Pollock and Josh Phelps. But my uh, backup goalkeeper, I put Rice, yep. who had been – Last year, the backup for Akira. <laughs> I did too. And then uh, I also have Ronaldo on my bench. I had Arturo on my bench. Uh, my other striker, because um, I went with a different formation for my second bet, so I had two strikers. So I had McLean, and then I had Greg Hurst. And it's it's funny because – Hurst, I, I overlooked. I have four, to four weeks ago, we were talking about Hurst being a potential Golden Boot winner and, and you know, having MVP shouts and – you know, it just Chattanooga falling apart. It really hurt his stock. Uh, but I do think that he he's a clinical finisher, so he deserves to be on there. Uh, in the midfield, I had Eduardo Sosa. And it's funny because you look at the stats, and this is why stats aren't always telling the story, because I was looking at his stats and I was saying like, well, these aren't the most impressive stats in the world, but he's one of the most impactful players in this league and obviously is too good for this league. So you know what stat did stand out for me and the reason why it's probably like that? Guess how many times he was fouled? Uh, I'm going to say one of the top in the league. Oh, he, yeah. He was 50 times he was fouled. 50 times in, in 16 games. He didn't even play 16 games. No, he played 12 games. Okay, yeah, there you go. And he only started 11. So, yeah, in 11 starts, he was fouled 50 times. So five times five times a game. So, so yeah. yeah, eventually it got to the point where players were like, well, we're just not going to allow him to start. We're just going to foul him immediately. So. Yeah, I, I will tell you that we we have been counting fouls on some of the guys on our U23 team. And, you know, you, you only do that against guys who are really dangerous, right? Yep. And are going to get by you on the dribble all the time. Yeah, so I had to have him there. I've got Michael Vang. Um I don't know where Ford season is without him. He like was their offensive juggernaut. He created, he scored, he just, he changed the the projection of their season. Um, and then in the back, I've got Sammy Gadiri on the, my, on my left back side. I also could have put Dami on there and been fine with it. I think he deserves a shout to be on the bench. Uh, I've got Colin Verfurth uh, as a center back. I think he just quietly had an amazing season and, and uh, I think he's somebody who I really look forward to seeing if he goes up in that New England. I think him and Reddix are the Rendix are the two people who have the best chance of going up that that New England ladder. Justin, isn't Justin Rennick should be in MLS? I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen him. Play. I, well, my thing is, he wouldn't. I don't think he would play. So that's why he's here right. now yeah, because yeah. they have they yeah. have two or three guys, right? So I think next year he might he can play on the bench and then. You know who see we'll see what happens, but um, I think those two are the ones, and then my other center back uh, was Brandon Fricky. I think Fricky, because yeah. he was consistent all year, just quietly had a really good year. Like you said, you had Evan Lee. I'm fine with either one of them, but I liked Fricky for his passing a little yeah. more. Fair enough. 
Okay. Uh, you had one more thing. I missed another. Yes. How did you miss our USL League One Fun Underrated Player of the Year? Oh, my goodness. The Underrated Player of the Year, which is really interesting because uh, that was the first one that I have on the list. Yes. Right? So and this, this is the most important one to me because we, you know, like we talk about, you know, we give awards and they're based off of stats and, you know, kind of the big moments of games. But this is the award for the players who make the impact, who don't get that shine and who don't necessarily get the stats on the stat sheet, but impact the game in ways you got to watch to see. This is not just a looking at the score and the stats. This is, we watched all these minutes and these are the players that we said, Hey, I see you. Even if no one else does, I see you. So who is your underrated player of the year then, Jason? My underrated player of the year, and I've purposely not said his name this full time, is Noah Pilato. I think Noah was incredible this year. And really, when you look at the injuries that Greenville had and you look at the things that Klaus did and Aaron Walker did and did not have that consistency this year that they did last year, right? He stepped in and did that. He stopped the ball. He started the attack. He was the reason why Morrell was able to get one-on-one on the sides. He, I thought, was a key player for Greenville and did not get the credit he deserved this year. So shout out to Noah I, you, you did the damn thing this year, kid, and I noticed it. Very nice. So mine was Rashid Nuhu. Um, okay. who, you know, we, we mentioned him a few times, but I think quietly he was one of the better goalkeepers in the league. I mean, you know, he wasn't as flashy as Dallas J when he made some acrobatic saves, but he did his job, right? And I think, you know, when you can when you don't call out a goalkeeper for making a lot of mistakes or, you know, getting uh, get, getting scored on regularly, um I think that that you know, you're a little bit of an unsung hero a lot of times, right? Cuz you're you know, but he made all of the saves that he was expected to to make. You know, he made one or two errors, but as, you know, one you might punch a punch a person or two, you know, it happens. Well, that was <laughs> but, but but ultimately I think that he's he was one of the underrated and underappreciated players uh this season. Someone else who I had considered too, except that the like the last couple of weeks he didn't play that well is I, I think like a Riley Kraft would have been on this yep. list, right? Because quietly, you know, even though Trezaghi scored a lot of the goals, Riley Kraft did a lot of the work in the midfield to make a lot of those uh, goals happen. And he's so. Definitely someone I had on my list for that. And uh fun, st- uh, fun fact about Nuhu, he had just as many saves as Dallas J. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so apparently the golden glove winner and uh, Nuhu are, uh, are just as good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what I mean. Stats he had more catches too, right? So I mean he maybe he's better. We, we well, gotta open well, up an investigation. Pretty much when you play half your uh, what would you play half your games on a potion stamp? So yeah. it yeah. you know the, uh, the 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 thing is is that there's so many crosses that come in because of the the width and the length of the the field that they play on that. But that's that, also. You know, on there, it's a testament to Omaha's defense then for for him to have only had. To face like have thirty two saves playing on a field that's smaller. Yeah, it's usually, true. Usually you would look at them being you know forties, fifties, but yeah. So credit to their defense for being able to not put him in those compromising positions. Yeah, I think they're just able to get really compact and kind of in the box. So so that's why it's like a lot of crosses coming in and it winds up being catches as opposed to saves. Um, so anyway, Jason, anything else? to tell our listeners before we go on hiatus for some period of undetermined amount of time. I, I'm definitely going on hiatus. I need a, I need a break. So this is perfect timing for me. I'm going to 
take a break off of Twitter and enjoy nature and stuff. But I, I want to thank everybody for listening this year. I want to thank, you know, the players, the staff, the listeners, the, you know, the fans of teams, you know, this is, we, we do this, you know, we, we spend these unpaid couple hours anywhere from five to 20 oh, a week. I, say couple I, I, know, I know I'm just that, like, Anywhere sure. between five to 20, 25 sometimes and watching and doing notes. And, and we're doing this because we want to grow this league. We we want to showcase these players. We want to help them get to a higher level and get paid. Um, and so, you know, we appreciate that y'all take the time to listen to it and, and make it feel like it's worth it and, you know, reach out and talk about it. And again, you know, this is just, this is supposed to be fun for us. And so uh, hopefully it's fun for you and we, we appreciate y'all listening. And I concur with everything that Jason just said. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that a lot of my time has been taken up uh, with my new project, soccer-related, starting a League Two team in the Trenton, New Jersey area. Um, it's called Real Central New Jersey. I hope you'll follow us from afar. Um, we're selling merchandise on our website, and we have um, uh, we have season tickets that are for sale. Uh, there is a COVID refund, so if we don't play, you'll get your money back. Uh, we're having a coat drive in two weeks, so if you live anywhere near um, uh, if you live anywhere near Trenton and you'd like to uh, help support Jersey uh, the Jersey Cares coat drive, we're collecting them at our last U twenty three home game on November the fourteenth. So uh, you know, take a look at our social medias in order to uh, to find that. Jason. Thanks very much for a interesting season. And I would say, I would say a lot of the soccer was really fun to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, this year, like we said, bangers only this year, it was, and I, I special shout out to the players because this is obviously a difficult time to do this, right? It's, it's one to go and play a sport you love and this your job, but then it's another to have to be traveling during a pandemic and worrying. And then hearing literally every week or every other week that some team is, you know, players have tested positive and it's just, you're literally putting your life on the line to play. So that doesn't get overlooked and people can say it's dramatic, but it's not like the same with essential workers going to work during Like people are putting their lives on the line. And in this sense, it's literally for our entertainment. And so that doesn't get overlooked. And so I appreciate all the players who, who went through it, even the ones who didn't feel safe. Yeah. I agree. Jason, where can people connect with you at home? Sweet soccer. I can be found at Ira Jersey and you can connect with the team on Twitter. Assuming that Jason isn't on hiatus at league one fun. That's league. The number one fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of the United Soccer Leagues, Major League Soccer, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And thanks to Icarus FC for sponsoring us. Get all of your custom kit needs Filled at IcarusFC.com. Jason, until next time, hashtag support local soccer. Look, all I'm saying is if the MVP race is close and we can't call it like this year, we just give it to Shaq Adams every year. It doesn't even matter if he's not in the league. We just give it to him.